Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Urban Pitch Podcast, the beautiful game of life. So I'm here today with Kobe Jones, a man who really needs no introduction, but in the case that you were living under a rock your whole life, uh, this guy has been a part of three World Cups. He's got two MLS Cups under his belt, played in, uh, well, I said the three World Cups, but he's actually got the most American international cam, uh, caps. Uh, he's done a lot for our sport, a true American pioneer in my eyes. Actually, posters of the guy on my wall as a kid. <laughs> so just to make his head even bigger, here we go. Um, no, but honestly, to jump into it, uh, you've done amazing things for our sport. I really, truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get into certain mentalities, right, mm-hmm. that successful people have. And I think for kids watching or anyone else, they're going to really, I think, engage in and and be curious about what those things are so before we get into anything can you walk us through kind of from your as a kid grew up in los angeles how you got to professional just as short recap short recap this yeah, could take a while as, man let's be quite honest i, I mean um, I grew up in a time where, you know, soccer wasn't looked at how, how it is now. Um, when you when you talk about soccer in the 70s, 80s and stuff, people would be like, what? What sport is that? They had no clue what it was about. And then when they hear about it, they go, oh, isn't that a girl sport? You know, and it's like, what do you mean by that? Especially now when you look yes. up, jump, go, yeah, it is a girl sport. They're winning World Cups everywhere. But uh, <laughs> back, back then, you know, that was supposed to be disparaging. And... Uh, I grew up, you know, in in, you know, Southern California, just north of Los Angeles mm-hmm. area. And I played the game because I liked it. You know, okay. I was during I was part of that first explosion of soccer, you know, that that 70s AYSO. Everyone's kicking the ball around, you know, type of thing. And I just loved the game. I was a kid that just liked being outdoors and running around. And and I think my parents liked it, that I was just running around yeah. Yeah. and uh, getting rid of all the energy. The energy, yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of fell into it because my cousin played it, you know, and okay. they kind of, um, you know, inspired me a little bit. You know, I can I can remember the day. It was just funny enough of being five years old. I can still remember this. I was in the back of the station wagon and we were driving by the park and I saw my brother playing and I started screaming as kids tend to do. Like, hey, there's my cousin. There's a guy. Hey, I want to go play with him. I want to go play with him. My parents were like, shut up, kid. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they no, actually, they just pulled over and. Um, just walked up to the coach and said, hey, can he come out and play? Right. And the coach tossed me a jersey, and I went out and just started kicking the ball around. And that's how it, how it really started. And that kind of tells you a few things, right? You know, first time in the back of the station wagon, no yep. seatbelt. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're Different talking time. way back when. <laughs> uh, and then we're ta- also 
just the fact that I didn't have my parents didn't have to sign, you know, a yeah. thousand forms. It was it just like, here's a jersey, go out and play. You know, it was is a different times, a, a happier time, I guess you sure. could say. But that led into the like the soccer, then the all stars, and then club soccer in Southern California that everyone knows about was huge at that time. And actually, let me jump in here real yeah. quick because you brought up a good point. What was your outlook, and at what age? So how were you viewing even how long you were going to play or anything what was at back then at that time there wasn't a, a road kind of made in, in as i grew up i kind of had that maybe i'll just go to college and do that but what was your outlook at it from an early age was look, it just fun look my my parents were from mobile alabama and it they knew nothing about the sport and so in turn i knew nothing about sport i just liked it liked and it. was running around so it was just for fun i didn't know about college playing soccer at that time i didn't know about you know well there was no professional league i didn't know uh, if there was going to be anything beyond just me playing with my friends yeah you know i mean remember this is a time where i would go out in the street with my buddies after after school and we play on the blacktop you know throw a couple bags down and playing 2v2 1v1 and that's how i learned the game um but yeah it was just for fun it was for fun at that time i didn't have any long-term aspirations you know at the time but that in turn i think helped me in the long run it wasn't thinking about like oh i've got to do this oh i got to do that i've got to you know go down this path and play with this coach you know no it was the majority of the time it was it was going to training playing because i enjoyed it playing after school or at recess because i enjoyed it playing with my friends after and just being creative and playing the game out in the streets you know and that that i think in turn just kind of built up this desire in me to get better in every little way in the game as i'm trying these moves and tricks sure i I just think that's important to to you know pull out of of what we're gonna get today because from a lot of kids that are watching today and everything's changed since and they have this regimen and this thing that they have to do like whether they're training so much but a lot of what i hear is just you wanted to have fun and that's what it was yeah i wanted to have fun i i love to compete um as anyone that's been around me can tell you i'm a competitive person Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i can uh i i will you know to do the the bottle game where we used to flip sure, it sure, in the sure. locker room you know that like i'll compete and i'll get upset if i lose at <laughs> yeah. that you know i i will make sure that i'm like the first one out the door and push people out of the way if sure. i have to i'm competitive you know that's in that's in my nature i think a lot of it uh, came from you know i'm the youngest of three brothers you know there's that and then just play i think play kind of um builds a competitive nature sure. you know when you're especially when it's free play because then you start trying to do what you want to do yes. others try to do theirs and then yes. it just kind of builds like wait i, I need more time I, I, th- I think that's helpful you know all the way around but that competitive nature i think is what um stuck with me you know throughout and to this day it okay. makes me want to succeed and work hard at everything i do so you're pointing out that is like one of the mentalities that probably thrusted you forward towards where you ended up going yes competing yeah. you, you have to be um of a mindset that everything matters that every little uh, moment matters in what you're doing you can't take off and just say oh well that it it doesn't matter because that that's almost like a disease where it starts to grow and that can just lead into so many different things in your life you have to understand that every little thing matters now you can have those moments where you take a break but that's different than just saying "Ah, i don't care sure you know so i i want to i would tell everyone out there you got to be competitive you got to uh 
you've got to have a mindset that the little things matter and those little things in turn you know grow into big things and then all of a sudden you start realizing the success that's coming about and you want to be more successful and it just builds off of each other well we'll jump back into that but i wanted to i will jump around today but i wanted Mm -hmm. to get back into your storyline of so we're at club you're progressing Mm -hmm. up now and and where do we go from there well from uh club soccer um, one thing that I would put out there is like I was never considered like the best player on my teams. Okay. I had a, I had some good teams that were my teams were always you know middle of the road and up. You know okay. we were never like at the bottom. I think it's a lot because of that competitive nature and the players that were on the team. But I was never considered like the the best on the team. When people sure. would look at my soccer team that I was on, they'd be like, "Oh, look at look at Tommy, look at Billy, and look at that like three or four players. Look at Eric, and oh yeah, there's Kobe. I'd be like number five or six or something like that. But I I I, I fought. I fought for everything. I almost a little bit of that lack of respect continued to drive me forward. Drive, yes. You know, so that continued through club. Um, then. <laughs> club and high school now yeah, you know as, yeah, as we're continuing same, yeah. to go through which uh you know another whole issue you know yeah, where you're not allowed so. to play high school anymore or you, uh, or you aren't now no yeah. no i'm saying now nowadays like uh the what is it the academy teams that oh, want the kids yeah, playing yeah. on the high school teams yeah. and the high schools are getting upset and you know there's so much stuff going on yeah. but at, back then i could play on both so yeah. i was doing both and just playing more soccer um and i played you know what two years of varsity I was on JV my, for two years okay. and then two years of varsity at Westlake High School. Um, and that's where uh, actually a year older than me on the same team was Eric Winalda. So we went to the oh, same wow. high school together. Yeah. Wow. So we played together for for a year, a year or so okay. at Westlake. And we had a pretty good team. We had, we had a very good team. We, you know, won the the local CIF and, you know, started going through the process to try to do state. But we ended up losing all that type of stuff. But yeah. um you know, that's where I thought soccer was going to end for me for when you. I was in high school. I thought this is it. Okay, it's cool. You get my high school Letterman's jacket. You know, yep. all that stuff, yep. and that that was done. I was just thinking, okay, college. I'm going to go to like uh, go, go to school, university, and you know, do whatever I was going to do, and I was going to figure it out sure. once I got to college. But um, uh, so. I put it out there. I, I applied to colleges and all that stuff, and I got accepted to most of the colleges. Um, all the UC systems that I applied to, I got accepted. The only place I didn't hear it back from was Harvard. I, I, it was a flyer, right? You throw a flyer yeah. out there and see. Yeah. You know? I made it to the interview level, but I didn't get, go beyond that. Well, one thing <laughs> I pick up about you in just yeah. recent times where I've really gotten to know you, you're actually very, very intelligent. And I know there's this there's mm-hmm. stigma around athletes of just be an athlete or whatever, but you're an intelligent guy. Did, Appreciate that. Throughout high mm-hmm. school and stuff, was that already the case? Did you know that about yourself? And Well... My my mom was mm. an English teacher, mm. and my dad has a PhD in chemistry. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of importance put on school, school and, and education, yeah. Um, and yeah, there there was no half-assing Got anything. It. Let's Got put it. let's put it that way. Okay. If I came home with bad grades, I knew that I would be in trouble. So um, I was fortunate that a lot of things, especially on the the, the mathematics and chemistry side all that the sciences all those things kind of came easy to me i mm-hmm. think it was a more of the the, the english classes that were yeah. a little bit more difficult okay. um but yeah i i i liked school okay. to be quite honest i i liked school i liked learning learning that's what it was about picking yeah. up something new 
and learning something different. I always just thought that was interesting. I, didn't, I never thought that that was a problem. Do you think that helps in sport too, that liking of learning or this discovering of new things? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because I think as, a, as an athlete, I kind of incorporated that to my, later on in my career that I would try something new, like almost every training session. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember after every training session, I would try to do like uh, work on something different, you okay. know, than I did the day before. So okay. just that understanding that you could get a little bit better or learn a little bit more every single day. Now, I didn't go crazy and just, oh, I'm out there for an hour. Sure. No, it'd be like five minutes, 10 minutes. You'll work on the left foot, yeah. work on the right foot, do something, a different move, cut in there, and just kind of stimulating yourself um, physically as a player, yeah. you know, and for me as a winger out there, I, th- I was thought was important. Okay. So now you make it to college, you get accepted by UCLA. Nope. Oh, you nope. didn't? Okay. <laughs> I applied to schools I was uh accepted like mm-hmm. i said to a lot of different schools um you, you know just to throw out a fun, like one was cal and one yep. was ucla like santa barbara and stuff and people always ask well why did you decide ucla well i was only gonna get 500 dollars, you know to go okay. to cal and oh, i was okay. just like that doesn't you know that doesn't Make work for me for, yeah, and yeah. then at ucla i when i was in the middle of this process of deciding i was thinking uh, talking to my mom she was you know very good in helping me and all my brothers about trying to decide what school fit us better and she had been leaning towards UCLA that that would be a good fit for me and I got a uh, a call you know saying hey why don't you try out at UCLA so I ended up one of the coaches there yeah so I was I was uh, already I had decided that I'm going to UCLA and then I went out and went down and walked on you know and said okay I'm gonna try out and do it and see what happens mm-hmm. and I ended up you know walking on you know to the school making the team you know going through that whole process of preseason and being fit and you know all that stuff and uh, I ended up making the team and I was going to be a redshirt I guess yeah. you know for that yeah. first year L- lucky enough for me um, you know they didn't do so well at the beginning yep. <laughs> yep. and I was fortunate enough to uh, you know get the call up and say hey forget that red shirt year we're gonna put you in and you're gonna go right away and I ended up going to the Las Vegas tournament and played a half the a half of the game against the, the second half of the game against um Virginia mm-hmm. and that was Bruce Arena's team yep. and and stuff and I did well and Tony Miola was in goal and all that <laughs> stuff I did well in that game and so I ended up starting the next game I believe it was against UConn and I ended up getting a goal and assist yeah. and from that point on I ended up playing uh every single game starting every game for ucla so i love younger kids to hear those kind of stories uh as well because you know as the legend kobe jones is Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's some beliefs for example he's came and watched one of my club teams before and i thought these guys never lost a game this guy only only good things happen to these people right (laughs) but that's not the case and i want to make a big stamp on that and how you actually approach that because i think that's what actually separates a person that's successful in comparison to someone isn't so how did you really view that and crunch that problem as far as like even just a red shirt that's not even necessarily a bad thing but I got the sense and what I know of past interviews is just like that wasn't something you even want. You wanted to play. You're competitive. Yeah. So how did yeah. you approach that problem 
from the from the beginning. Well, I was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can remember we had a game against uh, CSUN, and if you don't know the red shirt, red shirt process, I mean, it's where you sit out the whole year, mm-hmm. and and I hadn't been told anything. As I I mean, being a walk on and then making the team, I guess there's this idea. Oh, you should be happy about that. I wasn't happy about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, I want to play. You yeah. know, I I went through the preseason. I worked hard too, and they're starting to play these games, and I sat out one game. I sat out another game. The game against CSUN was right near where I grew up. So my parents are there. My friends yeah. came down, you know, from high school. Ah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna get in this one. My coach, Ziggy Schmidt, was the coach. Okay. And it's like, okay, he's going to put me in this one. And ha- halftime came, didn't get in. Second half, didn't get in, and I was done. And then I was I was angry, yeah. you know, so I go up to the coach. I'm all, so what, what's the deal? You know, what's yeah. going on? And, and that is when he actually told me that you're going to redshirt that you're going to redshirt the year, you're going to sit out the whole year. Uh, and I was just like, oh, what does that mean? You know, first mean? off, yeah. and that's when he kind of explained that you keep your eligibility for yeah. an extra year, but you sit out the year. And I wasn't happy. I was yeah. I was pissed. I told my, my parents about it. And, and, you know, obviously they weren't happy about it. But, you know, what do you do? You know, so for me, it was a... A low, a low point mm-hmm. where I was just like, this sucks. I mean, this isn't what I was planning on for actually doing this. Should I even stay here and, and deal it. with all this? Yeah. But I was just like, you know, my mom is about not quitting. Yes. My mom is all about, you know, you start something, you finish. Mm-hmm. So I was going to finish out the season and make a decision, you know, afterwards on what was going to go on. So yeah. I, I continued. I stayed there. I practiced and I trained. And and there was an opportunity. Um, it was the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of the you know, the college season where you start going on the road trips and doing the tournaments. And it was the Indiana tournament. And uh, Ziggy had told me that he was going to take me, you know, on the trip. And I was like, okay, I'm uh, as a red shirt, I guess I'll get the experience, yeah. you know, yeah. what it's like being yeah. on the road. road. Now, mind you, this is college. Mm-hmm. First time going on the road with a college team. I was excited, excited. as can be. Yep. <laughs> Day before the trip. Z says, can you come into the office? And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. You know, he has meetings with players all the time. Sure. Uh, yeah, Kobe, uh, we're not taking you on the trip. Mike Lapper is healthy now, and uh, we're going to bring him in instead because we, we need the defender. I was like, okay, what, what, what am I going to say? I mean, this is the college coach. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, okay, whatever. They, you, you, you think I was pissed before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's, double gone, as it's much, gone to yeah. another level. And one thing that happens with me when I get angry, is I get quiet, you know? So, like, right. I kind of just sat there, and he's like, you understand? I'm just like, yeah. I give the one-word answers one, and everything, yep. and I just turn, and I walked out, you know? And, oh, I was I was angry, and that's when uh, – you know, we, we, the team left and we were sitting there and we're training. It's like four or five of us. I still remember like Tim Harris was there. Uh, okay. He's with, you know, does a lot of with the, uh, like, I think he's VP with the Lakers and stuff okay. now, but he's a goalkeeper yeah. and he was helping out he, like an older player coming back and helping. And he set up stuff, but he kind of inspired me a little bit about like, don't worry about it. You'll get your chance. The time will come. And he made the time that we were back training fun. You know, so and that's one of the things that can happen. You can lose a desire to play the game when it feels like negative after negative is coming at you. So you you need uh, someone to come to kind of be that force that can kind of help you. Yeah. You know, and Tim Harris was that for me where he he kind of made it fun. He made it fun for like four guys to be out in the field and just training with each other. And all of a sudden I realized I was laughing and I was having a good time. I was like, this is why. 
why I wanted to do this. This is why I love the sport. Okay, I can get through it if I'm having a good time like this. And and this is why I mentioned it before. They went to Indiana. They got smashed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they got it handed to them. And Ziggy was pissed when he got back. And that's when it was like wholesale you're not redshirting anymore. You're coming on this trip. He sat other people, some of the veterans, some of the older players, yeah. he sat and stuff. And I, I look back at that and that was my opportunity that kind of changed everything for mm-hmm. me where I got the opportunity to, to play and making the most of that when we went on that trip to Las Vegas. But I also look back a little bit and I, I get a little disgruntled with Ziggy, you know, even though yeah. I give him credit for giving me an opportunity. I'm like, wait a second. He was willing he didn't know how the team was going to do after that. And he was willing to throw my whole red shirt year out the yeah, window yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> at yeah. a snap. <laughs> when you know? he needed Just it. Just like right? that when he needed it. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> uh, like, really? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but the thing is, it did work out. And when he did make the changes and I was able to get in there, all of a sudden we started on the uptick and we started playing well. That is a funny dynamic. I think it starts at a young age. And maybe this is just a part of being human. But the dynamic of you wanting to do your team to do well you do and you go to UCL you want the team to do well but around the personal benefit or the personal your own doing good right it's Mm -hmm. like there are these moments in which which you're like darn it if only that guy would get hurt or or, (laughs) you know they got smashed in this case and and then you got your opportunity right and is that just part of it or what what are your thoughts on that that is the the catch-22 in sports right and a lot of people um you know that are on the outside of sports looking in will go like oh how can you be like that trust me if you're a competitive athlete and you want to win and you're trying hard you want to be out there you you want to be participating you want to contribute Mm -hmm. not the other guy yeah it's great if they do if you're on the field with them you know and, and, and i understand what you said too when you're on the sideline yeah you want your team to do well but there's also that like hey i need to be out there this. getting out yes, there yes, i yes. can do that i can do that a little bit better and make this team even more so yeah. so that so it's it's a tough um fight that goes on within any athlete that yes. may that may be sitting you know to figure out how do you balance that out how do you still motivate yourself to contribute and give to the team but also make sure that you're ready when you do get that moment because yes. that's what it comes down to when yep. you do get that moment you've got to be better than the person that's in front of you mm-hmm. you know you've got to show that oh this is why uh, we brought him here in the first place. Maybe we need to make this change and have them there so we can be an even better team. Yeah. You got to force those decisions upon the coach. It's yes. it's it, it's tough. I've been in that position many times yeah. where I've just said like, man, the team's doing great. That's awesome. But you know what? I think I could be in that yes. spot right yeah. there. <laughs> you yeah. know, I should yeah. be in that spot playing. You know, an important difference though, of because you've always heard the 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 cancers of a certain team, right? And you definitely don't mm-hmm. want to be that. It shouldn't be this right. negative thing. You want to support your team, just to make a clear difference to especially kids watching, because. He said a lot of things of you're just holding yourself to a certain standard, right? You, you wanted to be a part of it. You want to get out there. You feel like you had the confidence to do it and, and give those results yeah. or if not better. Right? Look, if you are, and this is just being straight, if you're a professional athlete, if you are a competitive person and you are content sitting on the bench at any level of your team's failure and success, you've got an issue. 
Yep. Th that's that's not the way it's meant to be. Sure. If you're competitive and you want to be the best, you got to feel that you should be on, on that field, field contributing to that sure. team. Look at some of the best in any sport, in any game, and and be honest with yourself if you think that those players would be happy if they were sitting on the bench. Yep. I, I doubt it. Yep. I doubt it. And so your best advice to people um, – for people that might find them in this situation because my view on that is just a simple conversation really people don't really they underestimate how you don't you don't have to complain it really it's just this letting them know where what you'd like and ask the question have the conversation yeah i think it, i think it is a simple conversation that you have to have um if you want to spark you, you know the I, I guess that thought in the person's head yeah, yeah. you got to have that conversation and to ask hey what what, what do i got to do Order, yeah. what can i do more yeah. and also it, it's more than just talk it's also action yeah you you've got to work a little bit harder you've got to work a little bit longer you know than the other guy i i think one of the big misconceptions out there that people have of like top tier athletes is that oh they're they're gifted it, it, it's so much more than that. Yeah. There's so much more that there's so much that you don't see, see yes, that goes into being the, the best mm -hmm. to being uh, a professional athlete, to being on the top of your game, the extra hours, mm -hmm. the, the, the extra work, the extra treatments, the taking care of your body, the physical, the mental, the emotional, all those things come into play that you have to be on top of every single moment to make sure that you can be, you know, where you want to be. You can't just let some of those slide and just think, oh, I'm going to get there. No. And it, and it doesn't happen by chance. Yeah. No, it's a concerted effort to get to be on point yeah so still in college at this point right mm -hmm. uh one big thing i've always wanted to know especially um that i can talk to you and ask you these questions is for me again i had this just belief of yeah you play club you go to college you get drafted that was because we had a league when i was coming up right at your point right I'm sure you had a successful college career then after. So did you actually, so you played the first year. Yes. And then uh, did yeah. well. And then did that put you into the starters most of the time after that or? Yeah, I started every game. I started all the games through the rest awesome. of my career. Yeah. Okay. So at what point now and, and how did opportunity come about? So did you, were you doing youth camps with the national team or how does a call up like that eventually happen? And then where did pro even start to come into the play what what was the opportunity landscape and so so much stuff um sorry well yeah, yeah uh, take that you're, yeah yeah you're gonna you're, you're, <laughs> this guy uh you're gonna have to remind me some of the questions okay, but good. but first off uh with the youth national teams the farthest i made it and this is great for kids to know out there the farthest i made it was my district team i got cut okay. every single time okay you know before that i got cut and, you know, they didn't think I was good enough, you know, at the younger age. So I was never on the youth national teams in the U20s, U19s, okay. 17, 16, 14. I was never – I wasn't on – nada, nothing. But I want to make this point because people might not believe it. They, it's Kobe Jones. What do you mean? He played on it. He, but that's not the case. So many yeah. times it's – you get this negative input towards you, but that's probably what ends up driving you. Yeah, it's, it's part of the driving factor, and, and I think – people have to realize it's also it, it, it's what did, what did they say 
uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Sure. And you got to realize that every coach, every head coach is one man or one woman, yep. you know, yep. their opinion, their decision, yeah. you know, what could work for one coach, yep. you, you know, might not work for another. What doesn't work for one coach could completely be exactly what you're looking for, you know, for someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something that I, I want everybody to understand. There's more than one route. There's more than one person yes. that can de determine your career route. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so with, with college, you know, it was, uh, as far as that transition going from college, um, I got to give credit to Ziggy on this is like he got get, got me the opportunity to start being seen I guess with the uh, with the the Olympic teams okay. you know what happened was you know at that time they had Olympic festivals and like the best college players were called in and I was called in a few times to play in the Olympic festivals in like Oklahoma and all this stuff and then that's where the Olympic coach would be looking at all the different players and I had uh, during those Olympic festivals, I got seen and I got called into the Olympic team eventually to say, hey, you know, I, I've been successful at UCLA. I started making the, you know, the All-American teams and all that stuff. So they brought me in and they said, uh, you know, let's take a look at you at the Olympics. I got to say, it's it's a two-year process. It was um, interesting. It's long, it's hard. You, you know, you talk about sacrifices i mean mind you i'm like what, 18 19 this is the sac and, and in college the sacrifices of traveling all the time with the olympic team and all the stuff you miss all the trips you miss all yeah. the parties you miss all yeah. the stuff you know those are part of the sacrifices that you give but you know the end result important um with the olympic festival uh, or the olympic team let me go back a little bit when i high school my family my brothers, I should say, and college. I always loved France. Okay, okay. this is just a little little note. I know it seems like I'm going on a tangent, but no, I always I like loved it. France and going, you know, just like a Francophile. It was like a, the dream. Ooh, my brother, my brother studied at the Sorbonne. You know, all, all this stuff. I was like, oh, that's very cool. My brothers spoke French. There's this tournament, you know, that that always happens in the south of France every year that the Olympic team goes to. I was on the Olympic team every year right before that tournament like i would get cut from the team so i was cut uh, like the two years the two years lead, leading up to the olympic year i was cut from the team right before that tournament <laughs> once again make it <laughs> i'm angry like really i can't make it to france man and so i was i was angry but then finally finally during the olympic year I finally got to go, you okay, know, okay. To, and I got, I finally made it. I was like, Persistent. yes, yeah, <laughs> I finally did it. And, and due to that, eventually uh, made the Olympic team. Okay. And when the Olympic team, you know, was in Barcelona in 92. Uh, do, you, do you know what the mascot, who the mascot was in Barcelona in 92? I don't know if I know that, no. Oh, that, that, this should be a good question, but I'll, you might, might want to... <laughs> Cut this part wherever you want because you can get a good one on this one. The mascot, 92 Bar Barcelona, was a dog, and its name was Kobe, and it was spelled C-O-B-I. Exact oh. same as mine. So it was like, wait, what? You know, that it was the Olympic one. Yeah, the Olympic mascot, 92. So it was like one of those things that was meant to be. I ended up having a good tournament, you know, there, and due to having a Go. good tournament in uh, in Barcelona, I actually got called up from there to the national team 
You know, so going from a player that was cut twice on the Olympic team to eventually starting the games in the Olympics and doing well and then getting called in from there to go join with the national team. So just continuing to play, continuing to have fun, and that one person's opinion on a certain stage, mm -hmm. you get a phone call. Yeah, that that's it, right? I had to, even the people that didn't think that I was capable, I had to change the minds, you yeah. know, I mean, there, I mean, and it goes back all the way to high school, you know, when, you know, one of the coaches, you know, thought that I was the worst player he'd ever seen, mm -hmm. you know, that was during the CIF balloting. That's what I heard that came back to me. It went to, you know, Ziggy's wanting to redshirt me. It goes to Lothar Osiander, the head coach of the Olympic team, thinking that I wasn't good, wasn't good enough, mm -hmm. cut me twice, you yeah. know, and then it ended up going to the national team where I got called in to uh, one of their trips, you yeah. know, and that's where it started there. So some things I picked up is not quitting. One thing you said your mom passed down to you. And uh, just the fact of persistence, really. you got to want to prove people wrong. You're going to be yeah. told no so many times, kids. Um, jump yeah. into like, uh, well, so we haven't gotten to pro, the pro yet. So how did yeah. that come about? Um, well, uh, where were you at? Yeah. put something on about my mom. Because sure. I think it's important. Okay. She... She used to say it all the time and it would get annoying. And I just, but she even said it when I was, you know, a few years ago, you know, she would still say it, you know, her term to me was beat your best. That she, would, best. she would, she would say that to me nonstop, but I can hear her voice now on the phone or whatever. Mm. Um, sorry, it gets me a little bit. My yeah. mom, my, yeah. my mom passed a little while ago. So, um, yeah, that was that what stood out to her was, yeah. was she always wanted to me to strive and try to achieve more, you yeah. know, than I thought that I was capable of doing, you know? So that one, um, I'll remember that to the day I die, sure. you know, beat yeah. your best, you know, and I'll try to pass that on to my kids, yeah. you know, too. So it's, it's more of the competition within self that should really be pushing. You. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have that. You got to have that because you can't depend on others to drive you. You know, it's gotta be a drive within, yourself you know that you can look inside and stoke that fire yeah you know to to make sure that you accomplish the things that you want yeah so yeah i, I think that's a great big huge point just the internal on mm -hmm. yourself it can't be an external thing or i just don't think mm -hmm. that'll be enough to drive you to get there yeah so um so the pro the, yeah. the pro thing yeah. so uh, I guess it, the whole pro thing starts with another story from the national team because okay. uh, I, I have, I guess, it, it just seems to be a theme, you know, throughout my career that people don't think I'm good enough. Because uh, when I went to the national team, I ended up going to on a, uh, we traveled to Saudi Arabia, you know, for like one of the first tournaments. And I was, I was on this trip and we were playing in the, I think it was the King Saad Cup. I think it was what it was called along those lines. And this is a funny story. Give me a couple of minutes. Indulge. Okay. <laughs> you <know>? okay. um, <laughs> sitting on the sidelines, not sure what's going on. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, it's the national team. I'm here for a little bit. Da, da, da. I'm, I'm thinking that my uh, soccer career is pretty much done, but I got called into this. I'm like, okay, great. You know, fine. I'll uh, check it out. So see, still see at this point, you think it's not really going... Look, I, I had no plans on playing soccer, and we're going even farther back. I had no plans of playing soccer after college. Yeah. You know, I thought that that was going to be it, but I got called to the Olympic team. Okay. And, and it was a tough decision to go to the Olympic team because I was, uh, I, you know, like I said, my parents 
full diehard education. I had yeah. to leave UCLA early oh, okay. to drop out of school to play on the Olympic team. Wow. So I had to have conversations with my parents, yeah. you know, mind you. And to my surprise, my dad was like, no, you're staying in school. And my mom was just like, this comes around wow. once in a lifetime. You go for Gotta it. Go for you know, it. Yeah. so I ended up, you know, mom and dad's moms usually yeah. win that argument. Sure, sure. You know? <laughs> so I ended up to the Olympic team and all that stuff, you know, turned around. Well, the same thing. And I thought, OK, after the Olympics, I'm going right back. You know, but fortunately for me, you know, the national team called and said, hey, why don't you come in and you can train with us, you, you know, and build up to the World Cup in 94. That's happening in in uh, the U.S. And that was another conversation with mom and dad. Wow. My dad was like, you said you were going to go back to school after yeah, Olympics. Yeah, yeah, mom said, once in a once lifetime, a take advantage of it. You know, so mom won out on the argument again. And we ended up, uh, you know, I ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go into the national team and see what happens. They cut me. I can always go back to school. As my mom said, school will always be there. Yes. This might not be. Yeah. So I ended up going and we ended up going to this King Saad Cup on one of the first uh, tournaments. And we're playing, and jeez, uh, I can't remember the team that we were playing against, but I, re I remember I was on the bench on the sidelines in Saudi Arabia. It was it was epic. The stadium was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was a little odd, all men in the yeah, stadium, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I'm, um, let let me let me go back. Sure. Just before this tournament, uh, we had we played the first game. I didn't play at all they got smashed you yeah. know they, they, the, the national team got killed and we were sitting around i haven't told this story really very much <laughs> uh i got but we're all sitting around and i'm talking i won't name the other players that were there but uh we were sitting around and we were just like wow at the dinner you know you're at the big tables going that was suck and i'm you know my first time there i'm sitting there and and some older veterans are just like oh so i'm sitting next to mike lapper and they're just like so what'd you guys think and I'm just like looking around like, uh, what? what? No, 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 no. You can tell us what, what you think. I was like, well, I thought we didn't do this. I didn't do this. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, and this is one of those things where after dinner's done, you're just sitting there going yeah, on check, for check. An, an hour or so. Sure. So then the next day, as we're between games, you have like two or three days between games. The next day, uh, <laughs> that coach calls a meeting and it's about, and this is Bora Milutinovic, and he's just like, so I hear we have some problems. I'm not going to do his accent, but I hear yeah, we have some problems in the team that people are talking. What's going on? And and this is like it starts getting brutal. Some some of the oh, some of the veterans are just like, heated. yeah, it's it's getting heated back and forth. I don't think we're doing this right. Da, 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 da. And you know, I'll, I can say this one: like Roy Wagerly actually went you know, a little bit head to head with Bora Milutinovic, uh, and they were just saying, well, we got to do it like this, blah blah blah. And they're going back and forth, and the whole team's sitting around, and me and Mike Lapper, we're just like, this is what it's like on <laughs> yeah, the national yeah, team. Yeah, What's yeah, going yeah. on? And and then I would say another player starts getting up and just going, yeah, I, I think we should have done this. And this player is well-known and a veteran and a leader and just like, yeah, um, we, can't, we can't be doing this. He's like, yeah, like they were saying. Oh. And points to the two rookies, <laughs> and me and Mike were like, wait, what? And he literally throws us under, under the, the bus. bus of everything that we were saying. <laughs> and Bora, I literally thought I could see steam coming yeah, out yeah, of his yeah, ears. Yeah. And he literally just, just lets him go <laughs> off. 
tells everything that we were saying, you, you know, and then once he's done, he goes, are you done? Are you done? And the player's done. And then he literally turns, turns to us and goes, attention. just like, you guys don't know anything. Basically, in the, the broken English and everything, and we're just like, oh, my God, God we're, 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 we're done. <laughs> we're done. And he killed us for like 15 minutes of wow. just like, you know nothing. You, you, you know how to kick the ball, and yeah. you know trying to tell us how to do this. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, well, when's our flights? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so – Anyways, the next the next day, you know, you know, me and Mike are just like we're moping, just we're like this sucks, and we're getting ready for the game, and we go to the game, and uh, <laughs> we're we're playing, and and it's one of those things. I'm sitting on the bench, just going, well, this is kind of my last hurrah with yeah. the national team, and <laughs> accepted it. Yeah, and I oh, totally accepted it, totally accepted. It. And Chris Henderson was playing as a winger on the team, okay. and he goes and he he get. <laughs> He goes up and he jumps up for the head and gets bam right Ooh. in the head, and he goes down like out, out for a out. second concussion. This is before all the concussion yeah, rules. Yeah, and everything yeah. like that. So he's he's like down and he's like woozy and the trainers go on and I'm sitting on the bench, and and, and kids don't do this because coaches get angry at this. I'm sitting on the bench and my shoes were untied. Untied. You know? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and I didn't have my shin guards in, and I see Bor Milotonovic just going. Looking down the bench, and he goes, Yeah, after he hammered me, hammered had me and Mike for like 15 minutes the night before, goes, looks down and goes, Hey, hey, get up, warm up, warm up. And and I I get up and I start looking in my shoes and I shoes. grab my shin guards and stuff. And he looks and he goes, What you do? What you do? Why your shoes is impossible, impossible. And just screaming and he's angry and he's like, Go. So, and so I'm like, like, like freaking out. I go behind the bench and I start warming up and stuff. And then, you know, after like, like three, two three minutes chris gets back up and he's fine so he goes and he's back out and he starts playing and so sitting there another veteran on the bench goes oh you can you can stop now he's he's done he's done so i'm like okay so i go over and i go and i sit back down on the bench and like about five minutes boom Henderson goes down again. again and he's he's done. He's out. Another hit to the head. Yeah, yeah. So he's out. Bora you know, goes, oh, looks to the back to and see where sitting. I am warming up. And he's like, what? It sees me sitting on the bench. <laughs> so the best yeah. possible start. He's like, you He starts screaming and I'm like, what, what, what? I run over and I was like, oh my God, this sucks. This sucks. Oh, this sucks. And then he, he subs me in. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is it. And this, I mean, I'm like, I'm going home. Yeah. Get, what, what, what? What did I study in college? I gotta get this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But I go into the game, and and I, I start playing. And funny enough, it's it's kind of like college. I end up getting a goal, and an assist, an assist. in the minimal time Stamped that I was it. in there, and that changed. Everything. Everything. It's about taking advantage of the moment. Even though I might not have done the right things, I was prepared mentally, mentally. to be c ready to compete. Because mm -hmm. once I stepped on the field, it was like, I don't care about all this stuff. Yes. I got this guy that I got to beat. I got teammates out here. Can we win this game? Getting the goal and the assist changed everything. Mm -hmm. Because after that game, I was supposed to travel to uh, Germany mm -hmm. to do, to, just to go and train. Ziggy Schmidt had set it up. I was supposed to go from Saudi Arabia to Germany. I'm getting on the bus with my stuff after the game. You know, we had, we had done good in the game. We, I believe we won that game. And all of a sudden I hear, Kobe, Kobe! 
approach a game where you had to throw that outside stuff out or did it just come natural what i i fortunately for me i think most of it came naturally okay. you know but as you get older there's also there's always more stuff yes. that you that you have to deal with um i i think you know for myself yeah the pregame rituals you know kind of helped get you into that 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 mode mm -hmm. um it was a it's a little bit different for me um where most of my pregame rit rituals you know with all the different guys was always some type of competition okay. <laughs> you know if it was playing a little bit of soccer tennis, tennis yeah, if yeah. it was uh for the soccer players out there the trash can game you know you're doing all these things where all of a sudden you're forgetting about everything else and you're focused right in on what's in front of you and it was sometimes it, it was fun mm -hmm. you know but it was competitive you know that that's what it was all about and that got me focused on the ball the game and competition coaches out there just whether it's club college or i mean even high school whatever don't misunderestimate those little games i feel like sometimes depending on the coach they view it as this goofing off and stuff but literally uh, shout out to even mike mcgee out there we would play a certain bouncing game of like the ball where it would just bounce once in between us or shooting the the trash can game and these actually are getting the guys to help focus on something oh, it's totally. not it's not just this goof off time no no i mean we would we would do soccer tennis mm -hmm. you know before games we would do the trash can game we'd even do like the water bottle yeah, thing yeah, is where, yeah. when, when we couldn't be up and around when you're in those tight locker rooms mm -hmm. where we just sit there and flip the water bottle it's all those things where you're you're focusing on something yes and that's important and it's competitive yes and you're doing it with a teammate so you're getting a connection there those are those are all of the things i love the ones where where i was up and moving where you would get like a little bit of a sweat on but but you know locker rooms are different yeah. all over you're not always able to do all those things it was much more difficult when it would be just like okay everyone just calm okay yeah. let's get up yeah. and warm up yeah. and and that was it yeah. because it it doesn't give you for me i should say i always like to have a little bit of competitiveness going because then i'd be like okay i can just build off of that right into the match yeah. any other random pre-game kind of thing that you did that's your own or? oh there's always the like the silly pre-game stuff so i always you know made sure i was tried to be last in the line last you know, in stuff line. like that okay, i always okay. had uh um <laughs> Uh, th that's when I wasn't captains or anything okay, like that. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, when gum, I'd always get gum. I, me and uh, and like I said, shout out to Ivan Pierre. Okay. We we had a lot of interaction oh, yeah. over the years yeah. from '94 World Cup to Galaxy yeah. and all this stuff. Um, I'd always get uh, gum from Ivan. You can look at the old videos, you know, from way back when. Um, I'd always get gum from Ivan, and well, jumping all around, it would be getting the gum from Ivan having the gum during the whole pregame and stuff and then going out and then when we meet as a team and the pitchers and all that the warm-up i'd always drink a little bit of water from the water bottle mm -hmm. i'd go over to the sideline splash yeah. ivan with the water bottle yeah, yeah. yes folks that's where landon got it from yeah, for me because yeah, yeah. i did that with <laughs> ivan way back when, when we were youngsters splash him and then as the whistle would blue blue as the whistle would blow that's when i would spit my gum out on the sideline because i was always on the on the flank okay but, so little little stupid things but you yeah. know they're they're little traditions i can even tell you it's funny like way back when we used to play in uh in dallas <laughs> and raul can tell you yep, the, yep, yep. the kit guy for yep. the galaxy there would be a, a girl there that would always ask for my gum 
I don't know. I don't know. Hey, hey. That was uh, whatever gets him yeah. going. Whatever. Gets... How odd is that? Right? That is, yeah. Like, that is... I, and when Raul told me that, I was like, "Wait, what? Yeah, yeah." She wanted my chewed gum. I know. Yeah. I'm gonna need them to check eBay instantly. <laughs> Those things are probably. <laughs> no, but that is funny too. I've read stories about like people just totally random pre games, and it's like it, it, they're so funny. Whether it's OCD or what it is, but I think I've I've deemed in each one of them it's just getting them to focus and getting their comfort to exactly line where that is where they feel at their best and yeah. it's just funny yeah. to hear the different ones oh yeah Every, everyone's got different different things that get them jolted and ready to go yep. yeah so uh, so again back to the just like opportunity how it comes about because i know you end up in england at one point and mm -hmm. so just was it good showing uh, that ended up giving you a phone call or and and was the league being formed at that time? What did you know about all this stuff? Well, there was a big uh, Hope that right after the World Cup that the league would start unfortunately. No, it's gonna be like a two-year Break in there. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh boy, yeah, is it gonna dude. happen or yeah. whatnot? So d right after 94 World Cup, I was trying to figure out, you know, what what I was gonna do So I was like I went back home to, to be quite honest, so I was back at my parents' house, just between my parents' house and you know, hanging out with my boys at UCLA, you know, because they were some of them were still around and like graduates and stuff. And I was just like, man, what what am I gonna do now? Um, but then right after the World Cup, there was another um, uh, national team game that was up and coming, you know. So I had to stay in shape and train down at UCLA and all that. And then we ended up going into camp and and training together, and we had a game against England. Okay. And it was that game against England where I came in off the bench and ended up having a, a good showing there where, okay. you know, you know, typical zip down the line, beat a couple of players and had to put a good ball into the, the ball. box. Yeah. And apparently that was enough. I guess there was a team that had been looking at me and that was Coventry, Coventry. City. And then that's when they said, hey, you come over to Coventry City and, and give it a go. So just being in the mix again, someone seeing you at that stage. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so... <clears throat> just I'm trying to take out just standard beliefs of just you were mm -hmm. obviously in in the situation to be seen at this point right. but again never would have been there at all if it wasn't yeah. just self-belief to continue well, pressing on well yeah it has to be self-belief because I didn't know what I was going to be doing after yeah. the 94 World Cup I was just like okay what am I going to do you yeah. know and as I go I'll try to figure things out I started looking back into the possibilities of going back to school and and then figuring out um y y you know what I was going to be doing with the national team fortunately that call ended up coming from the team in England and that's kind of the one I was like okay well I'm going to give it a go professionally and you know and see see what happens awesome. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of different just random yeah. questions that we'll just go. So, under what coach do you think were you most Kobe Jones? Like, who who allowed you to be the most you, in your opinion? Jeez, the coach that gave me the most freedom to be me? Uh, are we talking national team? Are we talking... I, I feel like, yeah, we haven't fully finished your storyline, but I guess just yeah, over in, in all experience. Uh, you know, I would say it, that's a, that's a tricky question because it's also, you know, as a young player, you're still coming into your own. Yes, so I would true. say it, it's funny. I think I had more freedom and stuff when it was uh, probably like a Octavio Zambrano okay. where he had a 
you know it wasn't always the most organized and stuff like that but it was more of a free-flowing attacking style of game and i was one of the leaders on the team where it was just like hey let's do this you yeah. know let's go and that's where we had so much success you know as a as a galaxy team we didn't end up winning at all but man we we scored goals yeah and we had and fun while fun. we were doing it yeah. and that that was great that 98 <laughs> galaxy team yeah okay um who over the years was your most like, kind of trusted friend or confidant that you had on different teams and i know that changes over times with the many teams that you probably played for but who who would you consider that for you uh yeah there were there were many with the national team a lot of times ernie stewart you okay. know like we're roomies roomies right yeah <laughs> it's always the roomies, uh, that's what we call it, roomies uh i could still call them that today there's what is it heading over u.s soccer and everything um ernie stewart you know during during that time uh like when I was in England, you know, it was Roy Wagerly, of course, you know, because okay. we live right next door to each other there in Coventry. Uh, on the, you know, I had a, a, quite a few different ones, you know, with the Galaxy because I was there so long. You know, Martin Machon yeah, yeah. uh, was one. Uh, Carlos Ruiz, yeah. you know, uh, was another one. Yeah, so a lot a lot of guys, you know, Campos. We had, we had some good times, you know, together as well, Jorge Campos. So um, those are guys that I really hung, hung out with, you know, and – yeah, it's weird to think of how many guys came and went, you know, yeah, and I was there the yeah. whole time, yeah. <laughs> you know, Kyle Martino, you know, we were, we were roomies for a while, Beckham for a bit, you know, so. That's awesome. Um, uh, hardest player you ever went up against, and that could be at any level again. Uh, hardest player. Uh, that's a, diff that's a difficult one to say, you know, right now. Um. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I still remember there's this one <laughs> game that I have with the national team against against Russia. Um, man, this dude was like six four, and he was like a winger, and I wasn't used to that. Usually, I was used to wingers being small and fast, yeah. and this guy had like a gate. Like it took five oh. of my steps to get to yeah. one of his, yeah, well, and he was making these darting runs across field. And I just remember after the flight and the time oh, change and God. playing that game, I was chasing all over the field. I was, I was breathing dirt basically yeah. i was just like oh the whole time but uh he, he was probably one of the players i can't remember his name but he was probably one of the most difficult players that i had there, there's so much behind some of your answers too that i just yeah. totally get and i wish i could explain on each little one but yeah. just like as far as travel goes to these people what, what they don't really realize is oftentimes you're coming in if, if it's a tournament it's different but if you're going to a game you get there maybe two days ahead of time but you're wearing yeah. these compression pants on planes sometimes we didn't have compression pants then. back then <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> so like sometimes like depending on the game like you just your feet don't even feel like they're your your, your legs don't even feel like they're your legs oh, yet yeah. let me tell you about that russia game yeah i remember me and robin frazier left the galaxy we took a flight we, we ended up getting all the way over to russia and <laughs> no small flight yeah no small flight <laughs> at all we get there we finally get in you know to the to the hotel room and stuff and and it was a, just like an odd time one of those odd things and i remember we we woke up had the breakfast or, or whatever and then we were supposed to have a meeting like that that afternoon or evening or something like that and i said you know me and robin wake up and we're like oh 
we're like an hour late, oh, you know, God. and we're like, oh my gosh, and we, we get up and we're like searching around, and Bruce Arena was the coach at the time, yeah. and I remember he was totally cool, cool. with it, yeah, yeah, and that was one of the relaxed. good things about yeah, Bruce, is he was, a, he was, he's a player's coach, yes. and he totally understands, and hey, he understood the flight, it. because we actually came in a day late, because our Galaxy game was, was later, later than everyone else's, yeah, so yeah. we were just like, you know, you're in another world, yeah. man. <laughs> That's one thing also uh, maybe they don't understand is at the national team level. It's just kind of everybody coming in on their own schedule. Guys are coming in from the clubs. It's completely. Yeah, you're coming in from all over yeah, the world, yeah, and you're yeah. training together for like a day and a half, two days, yeah. and guys are just on different time zones, yeah. you know, from, from everything. So it's, 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 a difficult, it's a difficult time. Let me, let me put in there again another player that I, I distinctly remember was one of the toughest forever for me a Mexican player Ramon Ramirez because he was the left back I was the right winger and we played against each other for years years matched up and that's awesome we we didn't communicate too well together or it was mainly like you know grunts and groans and like dirty looks and stuff (laughs) but we would do track practice you know it was one of those things where if you made a run all the way down it's like okay Okay. well then I'm gonna run you back and that was that was one of those battles that just consistently happened over the years between me and him he it was so difficult because he was sturdy low to the ground Mm -hmm. and just a quick player too so it made it so difficult for me to play against and as much as you can hate those players at times right yeah there's this true appreciation I feel like you get with these people that you just compete about and spilling your heart out against right like yeah i mean that's what why i mean like i'm, I'm friends with a, a lot of those guys and, and the funny thing is is you be, you become friends when you're on the teams with them like i'm on the team with campos yep. Yep. and uh a variety <laughs> a variety of different luis hernandez um they they played on the same team but there's a lot of guys on those teams that i never played with but I see them now, and it's still just like, hey, hey what's up? You yeah. know, your, your hugs and just like, oh, yeah. it's been forever. What have yeah. you been up to? All that type of stuff. Because you played against each other yeah. so long. You have a connection in a different way. And as you get older, you realize any types of connections that you have yeah. that are, are positive mm-hmm. in any way or, com- or competitive, you know, they're worth holding on to because there's yeah. so many different memories, mm-hmm. you know, that are there. Yes, we were on different sides and playing against each other. But you look back and just go like, Wow, we all achieved something amazing, yeah. you know, during that time. So I see those guys now; it's it's all good. I see that as kind of like a myth in sports. Together, like I saw something about you know LeBron leaving a team, and uh, you know the fans expect you to have this hatred. And I I, I actually you enjoy that as a um, as a atmosphere, right? You right. want there to be that that tension and everything. But as far as the guys. You probably played with that guy on a different team. You, there, there is, it's not hatred for for yeah. the next guy sitting it, across from you. No, there's there's never any hatred. There, there, it's a competitive play. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't hate any of the guys. That that's a that's a harsh word to use yeah. against anyone that I've been, I've played against. Um, but you you just you know compete. You compete. You know against these guys. And and when you're on the field, yeah, you compete and you give your all. But you know, I'm not gonna be like especially like now why would i have any hatred towards any any of those guys okay uh if you didn't play soccer what do you think you would have fell into uh probably environmental law environmental law that's what that's the route i wanted to go and mind you i know it's very trendy to say environmental law now but remember i'm talking about i was in way back when before uh all this was happening a good friend a good family friend was uh he was a 
a lawyer for like mobile oil, you know, like okay. back in the day. And he, he, he knew my interest in like the ocean and, uh, like all, all, all everything nature and asked to you know, maybe look into that route. You could go a variety of different ways with that. It could be, you know, for a corporation or it could be for a charity or whatever, but that's, that's the route that I was looking to go, okay. you know, maybe if, couple years at Scripps, you know, and, you know, know, law school and see what happens. What kind of, I think we talked about this at the gym earlier. Um, What kind of, as far as energy goes. At the gym, huh? See, he's always working out. Look at those muscles. This guy, I got to keep up. (laughs) No, what kind of uh, morning guy were you in the locker room? As far as like, for example, I am not fully awake by the time I'm walking in and I just like, I don't like to talk at all. And I don't, so I give like the little fist bound, but like what kind of a morning guy were you? Back then? Yeah. Let's go! Where's so everybody at? Energy Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. I was that guy. Yeah. I was that the guy. All the guys will tell you. Yeah. I was like, ready to go. Let's go. Let's go out. Let's play. Let's do a little something, something. <laughs> okay. You know, I was, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I should say I was a morning person. Yeah. I was very much like, I could be, uh, be up till 2, 3 a.m., get up at 6. You know, be at the training site, that whatever, and say, "Let's go, let's do this." You know, ready to go. Okay. And I then, did nap. I did nap in the afternoons. That did nap. Oh, yeah. that, the yeah, naps yeah. got us. <laughs> the two p.m. nap. Dude. The two p.m. nap. That was key. So, as we wrap up here, I guess the the biggest thing I want to get uh, back to was just like, what would you think your biggest trial or tribulation, whether it be uh, injury or one thing you went through over that course of that sport, that like. You weren't even sure about it, and, and like, how did you overcome this? And or what was some big issue for you? Hmm. There are a lot of big issues, as yeah. I've yeah. as have I told. Sure. You know, there's a there's there's tons. You know, I I think I think the 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 word that I I would get out is is to understand that if you are getting into this career, if if this is who we're speaking to, sure. If you want to be a professional athlete, understand that there will always be issues, that you will always have something come up that will stand in your way. There will be bumps in the road. There will be blockades in front of you. You've got to de- you have to decide how you're going to deal with it. Are you going to stop and turn around? Are you going to say and dig within and say, I'm going to find a way? And that's important to understand. It's finding a way. Maybe it's stepping to the side and getting around it. Maybe it's just going over it. Maybe it's smashing through it. But you as an individual have to find a way. And I, I think that's extremely important for all, for all, for all people to know that life's not easy. No one ever said it was going to be easy. Yeah. It's all about how you deal with the issues that come at you. Sure. Um, you got like five yeah. more minutes. Yeah. I can hit you on that question for the statue, and what, I have like. one. Yeah, thing. whatever. Okay. <clears throat> so, with the recent tragedy that's actually happened with uh, Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. um, our condolences, by the way, and the, the rest of the, the casualties. Yeah. Um, uh, with seeing all the love and support that he's gotten um, in Los Angeles, and and as we pick out these things he'll always be known for and everything D- did you know him personally at all or um how did you how did that make you feel 
well, yeah, I, I interacted him, interacted with him a few times, you know, on a variety of different things, especially with his new body armor th- when he first kind of launched it a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him before when he was younger, and he'd come to a few Galaxy games, you know, all mm-hmm. those type, all those types of things. Uh, so I can't say that I was like a yeah. super close friend, but I interacted with him quite a bit. Um, I feel I think I was like everybody else. Shock yes. was number one. Mm-hmm. Like it did. It's, it didn't seem real. It seems surreal. Like, like, wait, first, when I first saw it on my phone, I was like, wait, someone's joking. You know, this yeah. is something stupid, yeah. you know, but then you realize that it, it, uh, it was legit and, you know, it freaks you out a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. because I think Kobe was ingrained into the fabric of yes. Los Angeles, yes. especially during kind of like my heyday, you know, when I was. Yeah. You know, at, at the peak, it was also like the Kobe Shaq era, yep. and it was like going to Laker games. It was AEG. They were, yeah. you know, all, all of us were in the same family. So, you know, I had was hanging out with floor seats and then just enjoying that whole yep. experience. And to realize, like, that's a, a big part, that that's all gone. You know, he was supposed to live until he's 80 and then yeah. die in bed, you know. Yeah. And to have something like this, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it I think it hit ho- home for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um in a little bit of a distressing way mm-hmm. and also maybe a little dose of reality mm-hmm. for everyone that I think, I hope everyone takes that, you know, make the most of your life yes. now yeah. because it truly is. You don't know when you're going to have your last moment, yeah. you know? So it, it's, it's important to take that away more than anything else that your loved ones, your friends, your family, take a moment, take mm-hmm. a moment because at the end of your days, you're not gonna be thinking about, oh, I missed that meeting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed that business phone call. You're gonna be thinking about, oh, I should have spent more time with this person. Yeah. Oh, I should have spent more time with that person. I should have told that person that I love them. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I wanted to ask that question too, because I've, I've spoken with many people in LA now that feel certain ways about it. Some people that knew him, some people mm-hmm. didn't know him at all, and it's that interesting human element that you didn't have to even know him or interact with him yeah. just to feel what he meant or what you know the amount of lives i'm sure he touched it was just vast and so it's just very interesting to me that that you can feel that feeling for someone yeah. that you almost yeah well he dropped he brought joy to a lot of people mm-hmm. you know and that's one of the things i uh, athletes do, you know, yeah. in their own way. We might, we might not always realize it, but your exploits on the, on the field, on the court, mm-hmm. you know, on wherever, is seen by millions mm-hmm. of people. And you may not know who you're affecting mm-hmm. or who's noticing, but you are in some way, and usually in a positive way. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about sports. Yeah. It inspires yeah. people. And when you're someone like Kobe Bryant, that that was able to do amazing things and have people saying like how did he do that yeah you, you know i think it's more so of a loss when when someone like that is gone because you you don't expect it yeah you don't expect it and so seeing as how now there's these certain quotes that are going down for him and and uh, seeing how he'll be remembered how would you yourself being a legend in 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 soccer uh, but just mm-hmm. expanding past that how do you want to be remembered by well i mean for me i i just hope that i could even 
partially be appreciated as much as he sure, was sure. you know i i would i would like to be remembered as as someone that gave us all to the game that helped build yeah this sport you know w within los angeles you know and within this country yeah. i want to be remembered as that i was a competitor yeah you know that i always gave a hundred percent and that i beat my best yeah you know that's probably how I'd love everyone to remember me and I, and I hope I can also remember it as someone that is a family man yeah that is doing a good job with his kids and passing that all all that I learned <laughs> you know down to my little ones yeah. you know and and most importantly um once again you know that I pass down to my little ones that they beat their best sure. I like that message um my only and last uh, question for you, I guess, would be, um, obviously, we're fans of, again, mm -hmm. other people's success. And mm -hmm. I know um, one thing here uh, at the Galaxy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think you coached and maybe played with them for part of the year. And I played with David Beckham and over at the yeah. Galaxy, they got the statue of yeah. him and, and I'm I'm more than happy with that, too. But um, from, from your perspective, I've always been curious because as I was growing up, again, I told you, I had the, me, my best friend, another best friend of mine, we all had the Kobe Jones posters. Mm -hmm. And so I know they have, you know, a little placard up there for you or whatever, but I'm curious to see when other people come in, and I know Beckham's done a lot for the league, and I, I'm sure we have nothing but positive to say, but as far as your feeling, how, how does stuff like that makes you feel, or how could you see, or what would you have liked to have seen in that situation? Do you think that you deserve more credit in a way because I feel like you were a big part of why Galaxy is the way they are. Well, I mean, that's all Galaxy's decisions, right? You sure. know, they, they can do what they want. I'm happy for David and the statue yeah. that they put out there. I think it's it's exceptional, you know, <laughs> what, what they did, and, you know, because they the the unveiling ceremony and everything they did the night before and the people that they got out there, the Galaxy yeah. went all out. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's great. That's great to see. And I think he's deserving of that. Yeah. Um, it's from from what I gather, it's supposed to be a I guess they're talking about doing other statues and oh, stuff there. Good. So okay. I, I think it would be interesting to see. I would like to see um, others out there, not just from the current era, but, but yes. also from the, sure. the era from the past. Because there's a lot of people that still remember a lot of players from sure. that were. Uh, from the the green and gold, I guess yeah, you could yeah. say. So so we'll see. We'll see what the galaxy does. I'm sh you know they're they're a fantastic, you know organization yep. in in what they do. They kind of set the trends. Mm -hmm. You know, so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I I want to see who's uh, next up for for statue. Sure, so should be interesting. I, I think that's the 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 most positive thing we can will take it out Zlatan? of it is it, it, <laughs> will it be? <laughs> but no, I would I would like to see that like the the Mount Rushmore of you know the LA Galaxy mm -hmm. to step. David was only the first, and then we'll build it back towards and get the get the old names in there too. That yeah, we'll see. Maybe you see. should start a petition. I, I maybe I should. <laughs> huh? No, I was always just been curious because again. Uh, no, you don't. You don't take away. You see, I'm. I'm not the type, and and maybe people don't think it's real, but I'm not the type to uh, disparage anyone else's success. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I'm. I'm of the philosophy that, uh, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. I think mm -hmm. it's fantastic that 
that David's getting the stature out there because then all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, well, the others are going to get statues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way that's too. the way you got to look at it. You got to be positive with that. And like, like I like I've said throughout this interview, you know, yep. you know, you got to pick your moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be ready when your moment comes. So it, I think it's fantastic that David's got that. And uh, we'll wait to see. Maybe that's, you know, maybe this will start the process of getting every yep. everyone on pins and needles of who's next, who's next, you know. So I guess what Kobe's saying there is he's got his model face ready. (laughs) (laughs) Should I smile or not smile? (laughs) No, thank you so much. By the way, for sharing all these stories with me, I I wanted you to be able to plug whatever thing you had going or if just social media wise, I know you're always busy. So Kobe Jones 13, there it is. Instagram, Twitter, you know, all that, all that good stuff. You can find me out there. You know, I'm out there. I'm out there. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm LA. I'm yeah. LA. Regardless of what others may think, I'm I'm the totality of the LA. Totality. I was, I was here before any of the soccer teams were yep, here, yep, yep. and uh, well, I probably won't be here <laughs> <laughs> after. But I was here before any soccer team was here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.